Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Cypher Skin. James, you're in, you're in a different venue today. When you, as <laughs> yeah, posture as you good posture. It's lying. Like, yeah, I'm going to sound a little bit strangled because um, lying lying down on the bed is the only place in the whole house that doesn't either have yard noise or construction noise. Uh, I feel like when you move from your scuzzy inner city apartment where, you know, the sounds of broken glass and screaming are your perpetual accompaniment. You move to the suburbs and you think, this will be a lot quieter. It's not. Now there's leaf blowers and car horns and some yuppie prick wants a new deck. So that's what they're putting into the back of the house. So I'm thoroughly uncomfortable and very warm in the only room of the house that is uh, penned in by other bits of the house on all sides. Everything else is noisy. And I was 20 minutes late and Dan Dan, wanted, Dan didn't know and I was 20 minutes late and he wanted to kill me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but, but it's all good now. I'm it's sorry. all good. You're, you're there and you're, uh, you're, you're, you're sweating for hurts. I've it's got, good. I've got, all, I've got all my hurts gear under my arm. I'm walking around the house like <laughs> fucking Dick Whittington walking to London, like looking at the noise levels. Will it be quiet? Will the nice people still like me? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite that pathetic, but it sounds funny. So, there we are. It is a northern hemisphere summer, and what that means is it is impact factor season. Your your email inboxes will be flooded with a, <laughs> a journal that you re- that, that that you reviewed for seven years ago, proudly trumpeting their their change from two point one to two point one two. It's a, it's always the same. It's always the same. These these modest changes in impact factors. People are uh, editors are, are crowing about their impact factors on Twitter, and what mm. have you. And look, one thing that I've always thought is quite interesting is why can't we calculate impact factors on the fly? We know how these things are calculated, yet there's no way of actually figuring out what a given a journal's given impact factor is or yep. what it's going to be because we know that impact factors take at least two years to be generated and I didn't know why and I only found out today why that is the case and that is because of this thing of journal fact uh, journal impact factor negotiations James James Heathers tell us about this educate uh, me. right uh, so James have you spent the last decade keeping up with cyanometric literature while everyone else ignores what librarians do I keep telling you I think librarians are fantastic and uh, this is the kind of this is what you get when you know people who are in that space pay attention so I probably haven't talked about this on the podcast previously and there's one there's one central reason for that and it's the fact that a lot of these stories about how this happens, although I'm, uh, let me put it this way, I'm certain that it does happen. But a lot of the stories that I've heard are apocryphal where I, th- 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 there isn't a good way to, to present it in this context. But we can talk about the speculation like this is a f- fucking gossip podcast, right? Okay, so- it's, this is something that's been noted in literature for a while. So, l- let's let's back up right to the beginning. The impact factor for 2020 is all the citations of all the shit from 2018 and 2019 cited in the year 2020. 
Now, by that I mean it's all the uh, citations of every item within a specific academic journal divided by the number of research objects within those citations. Now, the phrase research objects here is very important, and I'll tell you why. Not everything in a journal is a research object. So, regular empirical articles are, review articles are, in all of their many forms and glories, meta-analyses, RCTs, all the regular academic outputs people would be familiar with are all research objects. Editorials aren't, commentaries aren't, um, letters to the editor aren't, uh, brief perspectives and brief communications can go either way. Case reports generally are not, I know of some that definitely aren't. Now, if you go between all the journals in all the world that all have these funny little categories, yes, you have to apply the criteria of what is or isn't a research object. Now, this is part of, one, the open question of will it be included in the denominator or not? Is it a research object? But also, two, part of this negotiation that you're talking about. What is negotiated around? One of the things is how individual categories of academic outputs within the journal are seen as research objects or something that I call CINOs. Citations for numerator only. C-I-N-O, Sino. Now, we get to the part why this is something I haven't talked about before. It is perfectly possible to put these short academic items in a journal and not negotiate with the impact factor people, but just look from year to year at what they do and whether or not they count and how much things change over time. Right? So, we know that's going on. We know that's a thing. Yeah? Um, I certainly know it's a thing because I've tried to measure this previously. It's very easy. Um, I switched from MATLAB to Octave a while back. So, I actually ginned some uh, to give a riot science talk um, uh, the week before last, I think. Um, I ginned up some Octave code to uh, look at a journal that has a particular penchant for publishing short research items. Um, we can link the, the talk in the show notes if anyone's mad enough to go through the whole thing. But where the negotiation part comes in revolves around, in some substantial part, how different categories of articles, and it changes between individual journal, it changes between academic area, it changes within and outside of, like, science formally, before you get into, like, applied science, and it, especially in medicine, because the case reports and brief thingies are different. And how any given journal, and it also probably, when it comes to big 
fancy journals. A lot of big fancy journals have quasi-journalistic stuff that is in the big fancy journal. And I'm not 100% sure as to the state of that. The way I understand it now, and I'm open to being wrong on this, is that if you write some think piece for a big fancy journal, and it is an 800-word essay on McFuck, and it is published in uh, somewhere that, I mean, you, you know, there's like, there's a, there's a news thing sometimes, and then there's also uh, the journal itself, and they're run by the, 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 the same uh, the same parent organization, but they're not the same thing. It's not in the journal. Um, that's not uh, something that is is counted as a uh, as a as a research object. And when it crosses over to journalistic like work, commentary overview kinds of stuff, I'm pretty sure there's some of that in journals that are sinos. One thing I've never checked is how that relates to the impact factor inflation over time. However, that is not how big fancy journals maintain their big fancy journal status, right? Somewhere between 75 to 90%, depending on the journal, of the articles in the journal, I'm talking about just the research objects now, have less citations than the impact factor. Your impact factor is primarily driven by how many hyper-cited articles you publish over the uh, two calendar years that are uh, that have enough time to run on and become two calendar years, which is why for years one of the best impact factor manipulation tactics has been to online e-publish something in June 2016 and then eventually put it into the journal January 2018. Yeah. Now, the impact factor people, well, as much as they're mendacious fucks, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bad product. Uh, it's well, it's very good at being a product. You can see this in the riot science talk. This is an excellent product because people buy it. Um, but it's a terrible policy, and us paying attention to it is completely potty. Given a shit. So. Um, the negotiation of which you speak, uh, I have heard stories and this is why, you know, I mean, I say a lot of scuttlebutt shit, but this is scuttlebutt shit about a major organization doing something really dumb. So I do not know whether or not these can be, uh, well verified. I know some of them have been published, but I mean, they've been published as far as I'm aware is as, as also as stories. Um, both formal and informal, like, you know, conference dinner kind of shit, negotiations around, we are publishing this. These things in this category at my journal are sinos and not research objects. Now, there's a lot of fucking process there, yes? And uh, I was saving up a lot of impact factor stuff for the talk that I gave a couple of weeks ago. So I've been thinking about I've been thinking about it on and off for a, a couple of years. Um, the, 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 the truly amazing thing about the impact factor in general is that very clever, very detail-driven people have written a million different savage critiques of it for a million different reasons, published them in the outlets that are subject to the impact factor in the first place, some of which probably measure their success on the basis of how their impact factor changed. 
And absolutely nothing really globally has changed. And you think, oh, hang on, but there's, there's these different schemes and shit. Yes? There are, uh, you know, this, this university says they don't use it in hiring decisions. This research framework says that, that that's irrelevant. This grant reviewer is uninterested in the quality of these. And then, this, and then you get this. There's no formal requirement to consider the impact factor. As if that would make the informal requirements go the fuck away by some kind of social magic. The whole situation was and continues to be utterly ass backwards. And the fact that we still buy this and universities buy access to this, it is a web of science product. The fact that we still pay the slightest bit of attention to this in terms of this is a meaningful metric that we can take seriously is one of the best pieces of proof that academia is simultaneously full of very clever, very stupid people. Okay, look, we all we all know this is a problem. I, I think there's not that many people that you- would- No, Dan, we all don't, mate. We know this is we know this is a problem on our podcast. All our little friends and wizards in the fucking open science reform alone know that it's a problem. And frankly, the vast majority of them have not read the last thirty years of scientometric literature on this. It's not interesting to people. It strikes them as some kind of academic accounting related subject, and people just nope the fuck out of it. There's a lot of details. Uh, and it also feels like a really hopeless thing to look in on. Everyone else is taking this seriously. I think it's bullshit. Uh, I am pushing water uphill with a fork here. I do not want to be involved. <laughs> so they know part of it, right? But there is a whole fucking world of people who are thoroughly unaware that there is the slightest problem with it. Which is, as you say, absolutely... Like, it is difficult to comprehend how you could be this oblivious. But, but that's my emotions talking because everyone fucking is. What it comes down to is it's too convenient. It offloads people, people's time in that they, instead of actually going, is this a good journal or is this a journal that, that, uh, that I should be submitting to or when reviewing papers, I, I, I was shocked. To I was I was a co-author on a paper um, earlier this year and we got the reviews back. It was it was it was rejected. Uh, some of the comments were okay, and but one of the comments was you you have cited uh, you cited a method that I was unfamiliar with. I looked at the method and looked at the paper and realised that the method was in a journal with an impact factor lower than one, and I, I was <laughs> I was completely shocked. Well, yes, because because methodological journals that publish the kind of abstruse kind of methodological bullshit that you'd be interested in are well known for, 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 for their wide acceptance and general interest. I mean, it's amazing people are still <laughs> reading the Times when the journal, journal of fucking sub, subclavian meta-analytic horse fuckery is available, Daniel. Of course it has a fucking low yeah, impact. So, so rather than actually fucking judging methods the paper, journal. this reviewer said just wrote you know title of journal impact factor and so it was below one and 
basically made the decision that this was this was poor quality. So the the fact that it exists means that people aren't going to bother, or pe- people don't people don't don't even want to consider that there is an alternative. People don't don't want to consider that you know judging the quality of a journal is actually a bit complicated. This have been a there's there's a fucking million different eigenvalues and fucking media and citation indexes and uh, immediacy index and fucking there's look there must have been a dozen things Easy. proposed yeah there must have been a dozen fucking things proposed for that but i mean it comes down to a couple it comes down to a couple of things the way that you run a successful journal is to publish as few research objects as possible and to have them get the most citations possible. Now, them having the most citations possible is congruent with, is it interesting to everyone? All right? But the denominator, that's where the fuckery arrives. Yeah? If you have an annual review journal... Now, review journals are... I mean, I think the majority of them are done in good faith. Things need to be reviewed. And when you are committing to writing a review paper for a review journal, it's not some fucking shit you knock together because finally there was four studies on it. So there's going to be a fifth because I get to review the existing four. Fuck you and your ability to just bilge out more language into the global consciousness. Shut the fuck up for once, you boring bastards. Um. Annual reviews are not really like that. It's more like 150 references, the state of play as we understand it, and you are under pressure in an environment where all the other papers are also reviews to write a to write one that stands up to that particular kind of context. So review journals, I don't really have a problem with. Um, also, there's only so many things that you can review. So I th- feel like there's a real deflation rather than an artificial deflation on something like that. What you want is to have... I mean, you want to take the fanciest new shit that other people are going to do. You want to take, you want to, the maximum amount of shots needed to produce an appreciable portion of supersided papers. That's what you want. And that is something that is, that is, that is why fancy journals are the way they are. Because, because that's evolved over time. And then, as the system has evolved, the system has evolved to fit the impact factor, not the other way around. So, I, I, again, I'm referring to this other fucking talk that no one's seen. Uh, but the, the, this is, in, in another industry, this is similar to, without being exactly the same as what's called regulatory capture, which is where regulators end up working for the companies that they regulate. Changing and modifying regulations over time to better suit things. It happens with cable companies and uh, uh, any any company with um, a profound contact with the natural environment in the U.S. It seems you you dig for oil, you deal with the oil regulators. You you, you your forestry, you deal with the fucking Department of Lands, whatever. And you end up with a dialogue and a crossover a lot of the time between the uh, between these two parties. Yeah, people end up talking to each other. But when you have people saying, okay, well, I'm the regulator, and they say, hey, regulator, you're regulating me too much. You need to change what you do to fit my practice. That's what we do with academic articles. That's what we do with academic journals. We change them to fit the practice of how we're being assessed 
by this commercial product. It is something that you buy through Web of Science. It is not free. You cannot look up the journal citation index. I mean, you could, the, the journal citation reports, you could probably reconstruct the whole thing yourself because you're allowed to bellow to the world how good your fucking impact factor is. It's just that there's a million billion actual, uh, there's a there's a, a million billion actual fucking numbers that you'd need to collate, right? And the other thing is there's there's obviously internal calculations to the way that they're put together. Now, one final point before I shut the fuck up completely and you get to talk because my hair, whole head is getting tired at this point. They are not reproducible. And what that means is you cannot, you cannot accurately recalculate one yourself. And I know this because I tried once on what I thought would be an obvious example. You can get close, but you can't get it exactly right because you know neither the numerator nor the denominator. Now, with enough examples and data, you could probably reverse engineer some of the rules. And the reason for that is pretty straightforward. It's the fact that when you have, uh, especially because sometimes they're reported to three decimal places. Mm. Now, this is some grim shit. If it's reported to three decimal places, you know it's a fraction in whole numbers. So, you can probably figure out pretty close to it what the numbers should be. You're just going to have a hell of a time trying to figure out uh, what external circumstances, what pieces of reality those numbers associate with. So, we had an impact factor of 10.5. You could probably figure out there's 105 papers divided by 10 research objects. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, there's 105 citations. What the fuck's wrong with me? 105 citations divided by 10 research objects. Now, you should be able to figure out the 10 research objects pretty easily, but you make it 80 or 150 and it's going to become a lot harder. And the 105 citations, frankly, it, that's really fucking difficult because you are not sure what will be the web of science something something entries. And I tried this with Google Scholar and guessing, and then I tried it the more formal way. Wouldn't uh, they use web, web of Science citations? Considering it's a Web of Science. Yeah, product, but- I, I would have thought that that would have been fairly straight- Not straightforward, but I, I would have thought that would have been the easier part to actually identify is the number of citations over again. No, you're Here. absolutely right. It should it should work. Yeah? And I think one of the reasons that it doesn't make sense is that you don't know what is not included as a sino. Is that there are probably some items in the journal- that are contributors to neither the numerator nor the denominator. Yeah, okay, okay. I'll get that, that. That that makes more sense. Yeah. But look, I'm speculating there as well. Maybe it's gotten easier. Maybe the, the time I tried it, I got it wrong. I mean, I flattered myself that I could add, but it is it is very opaque. And the other thing is, of course, if they tell you exactly how they do it, people are just going to use that information to fucking put their big regulatory capture hat on even lower. So it's down so around their fucking of that chin. Transparency. I think there has only been one case of a journal that, that has been very transparent about the negotiations. And look, look, I mean, there's, there's no point relitigating our, our hate for the impact factor. Um, but considering that it's sort of part of the research experience, if, if it's going to be around, I much prefer that this negotiation is actually transparent, like this, like this one journal has done, so you can actually figure out what they're doing and how these things are calculated. 
uh, I think it's actually a good thing that these letters to the editor and these opinion pieces are, are not counted because if they were counted, then overnight you would actually see journals not doing these things. And I think they form a really important part of many journals. No, 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 no. This is we're, see, we're 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 not sure. Some of them almost certainly are. Some letters that are responses to important things have dozens or even hundreds of citations. Now, you wouldn't say that's not an academic object, right? It's almost certainly not a research object, but it is almost it, it's it's probably some of those some of those at the very least are certainly signers. Do you think journals negotiate on a item by item basis? Because that would be sketchy. No, I, I, da- I, I doubt. I doubt it. There's so, too many fucking items. So it'd be like, a, and you'd also have to know. You'd have to because because then you'd have to. What would the negotiation look like? You'd have to sit down with a spreadsheet and persist, present essentially a list of demands, uh, and they have to be individually reasoned. It's completely fucking unworkable. I sincerely doubt that it gets that granular. Okay, so it's just a, c- a category. Okay, okay. But it's a good question. I just, uh, I, I don't think that's the case. Maybe some of the fancies might have might might do that in order to really, I don't know. We we, we are speculating. Well, anyone anyway, get, get in touch? I don't. I don't. I don't even open. I don't even know if the Claravit organization is open to negotiations that are like that. Maybe there's a certain degree that which you can talk about. See, this is the thing we don't know. This is someone's business. We're talking about a private company that is itself owned by private equity concerns. We don't get to ask about their business. That's their business. They're not going to tell you how they do it. If you came to me and asked me for all my good ideas right now for devices that we're building and projects that I want to start, I wouldn't fucking tell you. Yes, because I I need them right now to be things that I have. That's my intellectual property. Now, when it all starts, of course, if I ever end up doing research on it externally, I will give all the stuff away because how the fuck else am I going to live? I'm not a hypocrite. But there's a lot of things about this. You have to want, you have to understand this is like, it's like the Washington Post or the fucking, uh, the, the Atlantic Monthly. Yes, this is, it is, it is a contained information that you pay for access to, Right. You don't get to find out what they're going to publish in the Atlantic next week. You don't get to read uh, research organizations' reports on uh, how industries are constructed that cost thousands and thousands of dollars for nothing. That's their written intellectual property. And the calculations that go behind that, they're not going to give you the data or the sources. This is like you, you're coming right up against the, 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 the kind of thermocline between two very different cultures. And you can maybe if you write and ask, they'll send you a lovely get fucked letter. What we used to call a logful. Lovely get fucked letter. If you're liking what you're hearing, there are a few ways that you can support the work that we do when everything hurts. First, you can throw some of your spare change to us each month, five dollars to be exact, and you'll get access to a bonus episode every single month. There's also a $1 tier that will get you access to the Everything Hurts newsletter and the occasional bonus episode. Second, we've got a merch store where we sell hoodies, shirts, and coffee mugs, which is our most popular thing that we sell, so you can tell everyone that you listen to the best science podcast in the world. Third, you can tell your friends about the show by sharing links to episodes on social media. James and I love seeing these posts. For links to our Patreon page and merch store, check out the show notes. 
as is my want, I'm going to use uh, an, an example from, from Twitter that I saw over the past couple of days. This is from Nicola Rehani. And she's she's great. She she says a lot of sensible things on Twitter, and she shared something which which went uh, I don't know semi viral viral I suppose, and it, it was a tweet. Um, semi viral I think is bacterial. No, I don't think it's an I don't think it's a name. What 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 was this specific one? I mean, um, the, I'm not I'm not looped. Well, this looped one me. You may you may have seen, and it's not the first time this sort of thing has been raised. But um, she was explaining that one of her recent papers was was rejected after review, and shared an excerpt from the editor who said both reviewers as well as myself felt the main weakness of the manuscript is the fact that it mostly reports negative results. Oh, I did see this. Yes, yes, I did. I did see this. I'm so uh, my apologies to uh, Niccolo Rihani. Great fucking name. Everyone has more interesting names than us. Um, yes, sorry. <laughs> I, I saw I saw this completely out of context um, because someone stuck it up my nose for no particular good reason. Um, yes, I did see this, Daniel. Sorry, please yes. continue. So, so we're not going to talk about null results. That that's a whole different thing. And we've spoken about that before. Um, but of we course, have. of course, when these things come up, when Journals have done sketchy things like this. Quite often, uh, a lot of people are like, oh, that's 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 bullshit," and, and someone will invariably invariably pop up and go, "Name and shame, name the journal, shame the journal." And I can understand some people do, but I can understand why some people may not want to. Um, perhaps I think in this case, um, the the first author was a PhD student. Um, or you have to consider other co-authors. Anyway, there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons why you necessarily wouldn't want to publicly name the editor going, this is what happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's fine. I think that's that's a little bit more our space than other people's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's it's rare, but it happens. And if you don't want to do it, that, that's fine. Um, okay. And- but in the, in this space, and I, and I was thinking about this, and I think this, this this is quite a big problem because one thing that is a big benefit with being highly connected, whether mm-hmm. you're in a fancy lab or you have a big network, is you can ask around when it comes to submitting journals to two journals. You have a paper, you can speak to your colleagues, you can speak to your pals, and go, "Hey, I've written this thing." I'm thinking of submitting here. What do you think? And if you have a big network, they can go, oh, I tried submitting a null result there and I got a really bad review. Don't do it. Or it could be, oh, I've published heaps of null results there. Or they can talk about their, they, they can talk about the experiences. I had great reviews. I, I had, um, I had uh, bad reviews, whatever. But that sort of thing isn't open to everyone because everyone doesn't have that connection. Mm-hmm. So, in that place, there is a fantastic website um, which I've seen before, but came to, this came to my attention again um, uh, as on, on the back of this um, this this tweet is at journal journalreviewer.org, which is and I'll, I'll mention how they describe themselves verbatim: the independent site that aggregates information users provide about their experience with academic journals review processes so that others can be as informed as possible as they consider journal submissions. And I love it. This is exactly the same thing as as, as reviewing, reviewing a restaurant or reviewing a hotel. And if you don't have these connections, this is great because you can get this sort of information. So, mm. one one, I'll, I'll, I'll let you share your thoughts soon, James. Well, one thing, I think at the moment they've got about 800, 851 
journals in their database. Uh, and like, look, there's thousands, thousands and thousands of journals out there. And having a look through, these are sort of like uh, social science, psychology-ish kind of base sort of stuff, but there is a good, a good mix of stuff. And what's really interesting, if you look at a typical journal, so I, I, I had to flick through to see journals that I would recognize. One, cognition and emotion. Uh, what's really nice is, as well as telling you the turnaround rate, which a lot of journals will actually publicly share, they also tell you the mean and standard deviation of the review length. Now, this is really cool. We've, we've all had this experience of um, getting getting back reviews that, that are super, super short. But if imagine if this thing was big and everyone was submitting stuff and sharing information and you could say, okay, there's been 100 people who have shared their review experience. And of those 100 people, the average review length was 300 words, 1,000 words. Um, that's great. And they also have measures of review quality, a bit, bit, bit more subjective, um, wh- whether you would submit there again and general recommendations and you can share stuff. So, an anonymous comment um, for, for this particular journal, Cognition and Emotion, was, we were rejected, but I thought the reviews were extremely helpful and fair and clearly gave understandable arguments for the decision. Yes, I would submit there. That is such a better ad than you could possibly give in any other way when it comes to submitting to a journal. The fact that someone who got rejected said, hey, this is actually a good experience and I would submit there again based on my review experience. This this is this is super, super cool and it's the sort of thing which I wish would have a larger critical mass because, of course, this becomes more useful the more people that use it. And you don't necessarily have to add in a comment, but you could you could literally add in and your, your, your rating or your um, average word count. So, this essentially well, solves- Well, presumably, Daniel, to make these scores, you just send in the reviews themselves. So you, you're not, you don't have to- You don't count them yourself, do you? I am not sure. I have to- Because mm. you could fucking lie. I think it'd be easier to just forward the reviews, wouldn't it? No, so yeah, it is. It is essentially similar to Publons in in that you actually paste your review in, and then it'll it'll calculate your 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 word count. Okay, Publons Publons does that uh, as a feature. The review word- length. Okay, uh, it's collected from a very small subset though, because people are largely doing it to make themselves look good. <laughs> now, as might be expected. Like o- opening this up and giving the information to people is, as might be expected, something that I support. Here's where I get concerned about the viability of the idea. In general, the internal fear that a very unembarrassing number of people in academia experience about their position and their strategic advantage, uh, and their self-flattery of how busy they are. In general, those are things that people work very hard to maintain. They literally work on maintaining their fucked up emotions. Now, when you send this information to this journal, you are creating a resource for other people. It is a pro-social act. And... It's not congruent with the motivations of scared, selfish people. So, what it comes down to is, are there enough people who are interested in the understanding of these 
publication outlets being in the academic commons to make it sustainable. Now, if it was a business, I'd be concerned. But it's not a business. It's a site run by Malta and Jimmy, who are two lads. Both of whom I've, I've talked to at different points over the years. They're both, they're both very nice. Um, the nice part is, if you're going to run this as a .org and just leave it there, you can slowly accrue reviews over time at whatever the fuck speed you like. There's no pressure. So, there will be some Yelp effects, of course. Now, if someone sent me a bad review, if I got a 120-word review telling me to go fuck myself and it was intemperate and unpleasant and it took 200 days to come back, I would light those motherfuckers up. Yeah? Or if someone, you know, this stringent but very high-quality reviews and then they eventually they end up accepting my lovely work and they really help me out with it and they do all my typesetting and fucking, you know, buy me a bunch of flowers and rub my balls, etc., etc., right? I would probably also be more motivated to describe that particular experience. The reason that a lot of people leave a lot of reviews in a lot of places is because they get into the accrual of themselves as a reviewing person. There's an episode of South Park about a decade ago that I remember dimly because I haven't watched it in a million years, um, where uh, people really get into Yelp and they all fancy that they're food writers. And then they go around yelping everything in sight because it becomes it becomes a status thing for people. That's why you end up with people who've got 1,100 reviews that, that pop up on fucking Google Maps. That's why people go out and yelp the fucking bejesus out of things, right? Because that becomes that becomes their accrual. So basically, this has enough time as a pro-social act to outlast any kind of pressure to stop or shut it. And if it's not publishing the content of the actual review, it's publishing the metrics that are calculated from that and the subjective opinion of the recipient, there are no copyright issues. In other words, it's the right model for the right question, run by the right people, and... I hope it does really well. Uh, and some of them, I just had a quick flick through because you said this would be right before we started recording. Some of them are, some of them are pretty funny. I mean, <laughs> there's one like, like journal what? here. Oh, my God. This is toilet. It's called <laughs> Convergence, the Journal of Research into New Media Technologies. That sounds like a very old school description of whatever the fucking hell is going on. Um, turnaround time, 406 days. Review Ooh. length, NA. Would submit again, one out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating. Pick up your game, Convergence. Convergence. Now that, that, Dan, is a Yelp review. I waited 45 minutes, and when my linguine came out, the prawns were cold. <clears throat> yeah? That's a fucking Yelp review. However, it matters. Now, how are you going to get it to matter? The whole point of like, using this to have any kind of leverage against journals that are shit is when it's mass populated. When you get someone with, you, you've got 30 reviews and one of these uh, motherfuckers is scoring 1.8 out of 5, that's going to be a very interesting day. But I think it's it's the same sort of thing like with Yelp. So, with Yelp, if there's a review, uh, yeah, I, 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 watched, I watched the cook's 
Band-Aid fall into the pasta, that's bad. <laughs> that's bad practice. And exactly the same thing. Or if it's someone saying, here, the editor said, I will not accept your paper because it is a null result. That's all I need to know. If it's- Yes, that is all you need to know. But now we're talking about something else. Now we're talking about people actually writing out the correspondence that they got, which makes well, them identifiable. And well, remember the head above the parapet principle. Yes. They could, yeah, yeah, but they could, they could say, they could say anonymously in the comments um, that. I, yes, they I could, submit- but people, people still feel exposed by that. Huh? Okay, okay, yeah, okay. I'll, 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 I'll pay that. Uh, less exposed, obviously, and I do take your point, but there's still a degree to which. If they didn't like me, they could find me. Although maybe, I mean, this is the dice play. Maybe the editor's a real fucker and goes around saying that every couple of days is just no chance whatsoever that they're going to remember you because they're out there being difficult to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, like, like the 10th the tenth person done it to this month. Yes. <laughs> another, another negative result. Why do these failed scientists keep sending me this shit? Get out I of my if- journal, you filthy communist. Um, m- most journals do- mention their turnaround times, which is good, and, and we have to take- That's reasonably word. common, yeah. We have to take their word for that. Uh, I'd be curious as to whether any journals actually do mention their review length, and I assume there would also mm. be discipline, <sighs> discipline to discipline differences. Yeah, that S- might be a question for the listeners. Yeah. Anyone Dr. know of any- Kinsanera, anyone Because know- I have no fucking idea. I've, I've never seen that- um, that sort of mention of review length. Everyone trumpets, you know, we have high, high quality high quality reviews. Oh, yes. It's the but- fucking Lake Wobegon effect all over. No one, no one ever says, we have, we have aggressively mediocre reviews. They're, they're, quite, they're quite average. No, no, no. Everything's, everything's high quality all the time. Everything's genuinely amazing. And, you know, no one ever makes mistakes. They're never working towards getting something to be better. They're never learning on the job. There's no, there's no place for humility in marketing. That's branding. That's uh, where you sell your false humility. There's no place for it in marketing. Although it's a pretty good indicator of quality, though, I wouldn't necessarily think that a longer review is necessarily better. I've had some short reviews, which have, which have actually been quite helpful. Um, they, they were to the point. Um, they mentioned things that were wrong with the paper. And I've also had some... Uh, longer reviews, which is just just a whole bunch of, of rambling and asking them asking me to recite their papers, uh, but it is generally, I think, a pretty good indicator of quality and the time spent on the actual um, um, uh, review. Quick side note: Do you do you when you review papers do the old summary of the paper at the beginning of your review? I know some people do this and some people don't. Is this something that you do? Um, it's something that I have done, but I don't see the point in summarizing the entirety of something that a person wrote, uh, and then sending it back to them. It's kind of a courtesy though. Like I, I like- Uh, it's a courtesy if they're writing so many fucking papers, they can't remember the content of their no. own work, Daniel. <laughs> no. Um, no, no, it's a courtesy. No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, look, I, I will, I think my- median review and i haven't done one for a while for obvious reasons one is where i keep demanding fucking money for it um but the other reason is obviously i'm probably off some of the lists because i used to go to my old work emails which i kept until recently and then i uh, the last one was obviously you know you don't go to the place anymore they don't have the email but i shut the others down too i still had a uh a, an old uh 
university one from a while back, and I, I finally just bit. A, a usage one? Yeah. You still yeah, maintain I had, that? I had a I had a persistent one for some reason, um, and I just the email's still out there. I just turned the forward off because I wasn't going to answer it anyway. Oh, man. Um, so 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 so. Um, what I what I would do is spend a couple of sentences on that, and then move from that to concepts. What is it trying to prove? What do I think are the most important elements within it? rather than try to summarize the paper itself, but interpret that in 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 a way where it would recast how I'm thinking about it. So the authors know where I'm coming from. It feels it feels like a very simple and straightforward thing to do. And where you've got a perspective on it. Like how would I describe it here, for instance, if I wasn't being such a potty mouthed brute, how would I describe it conversationally? But Sophisticated conversation. What did I say? Sophisticated conversation. That, that seems ins- that seems unsanitary. Um, why why are you, why are you asking about that? No, I, are you I, worried I, about the the word count getting inflated? Yeah, no, no. I, I just I see some people do this by default, and it's a common practice. And I think we take it for granted because because we've written tons of reviews, and quite often PhD students when they're starting to write reviews don't know how to do them. And I think one, one way to work- well, He's just like hoovering in with dot points about all the stuff you hate. Well, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's one way to do it. I mean, of course, one way to teach is to- um, I've got a couple of PhD students and when, when they're going to start to review. Um, I, I like the idea of these co, these co-reviews where um, you uh, you are the peer reviewer, but then you also um, have that and they can be named as, as a oh, co-reviewer, which is- which Okay. Is so, instead of doing unpaid review, you're now doing unpaid training. Yeah, yeah, that that's one way of, of putting it. Well, that's uh, my way of putting it. I don't, I don't require you to adopt my moral position, Daniel. But I do need you to recognise that uh, that maintains the same persistent insanity that it always has, and that you've just figured out a new way to work for nothing. No, it's four fifty, mate. I'll, I'll give him a fifty. I'll give him a fifty buck split. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. You, you, I'll, you, I'll cut you in to my hypothetical okay, okay, you 450. You, you, you didn't oh, let me finish, mate. Oh, dear Four, God. 450. Daniel, I apologize for offending your deep-seated <laughs> sense of mercantilism. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, look, we're, we're both heating up. We're, we're, we're both in, in closed-off oh. rooms trying yeah. to- Trying to um trying to keep keep the noise out uh, <laughs> from from our respective yes. uh your my noise is mechanical your noise is biological yeah yeah there's um there's a I'm I'm in a yeah lot of a few families running around here but um yeah I th- I think um please if anyone has any extra insights both into the um, impact factor shenanigans for how this is actually um, calculated, um, but also for people that have come across journals that have been much more transparent than usual about the review plot processes, get in touch uh, either via our website where there's a there's a, a contact button, um, but the, you can also send in audio questions. We still have a deal. Um, the the best audio question that we play and respond to per month will get a Hertz mug. That's oh, good. good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're still doing that. We often fail to persistently remind people that at the drop of the hat, we will give away any old shit just just for shirts, fun. 
My, and we're going to make yes, we're going to make a shirt, will, James. I will I will give you a free submission to Eludemos Journal for Computer Game Culture. What what, what are the reviews like? What, what's turnaround? Ooh, turnaround time eight hundred and ninety days. What R- review length? Na. <laughs> <laughs> 800 days. What is oh this? Oh, my God. No review for an article uploaded in March 2011 and no reply to several emails. Seems to be dead. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> Gee. Oh, wow. Avoid. Now, if you spent half your day formatting something to go to Eludemos, uh, <laughs> and that was the eventual response that you got, and you were trying to put that in your fucking tenure packets or something like that. Good Lord, would you want to have words with that person? You'd, Unpleasant you'd be, words. You'd be in your second industry job by then. Second industry job. Jesus Christ. You could, you could, you could invent, you could invent <laughs> software that would download itself uh, into, into the editor's wetware and fucking program it to kill them. Free. Every time it took them to- Oh, yeah, there's, your, there's your entrance to computer game culture. I've invented a digital to biological virus and I'm going to use it to infect you. By the time they read your paper, they'd already be a puddle of brown goo. <laughs> Preprint your papers, people. On that, I think on- that goes without saying. That goes without point. saying. Preprint your fucking pre-print, papers. Preprint your papers. For your own, for, if anything, not just for the good of the scientific comments, but for your own sanity. So, you can celebrate your own sense of achievement of having finished the thing, not other people's opinion of you or their assessment, but the fact that you did it and you're happy enough and it is morally appropriate and responsible for other people to see what you did. Because if it's the right shit, people like us will always read them. And every time I see your name on a preprint, I will think- this is person is going in the big abstract file on my head of someone who stands behind what they say and mean. On that note, on that uplifting note, actually, we'll yeah. uh, we'll, we'll wrap up. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again with uh, with more hurts and with some some guests as well. We can't be all negative all the time, Dan. It's no, exhausting. It is. Until until next time. Yeah. See us. See you later.